The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. It is Friday, and we are going to sort of take a look back at the week that was here on Deadline Detroit. My guest once again, Nancy Derringer and Alan Langle from Deadline Detroit. Uh, but a busy week for Mayor Duggan. Uh, he had a press conference on Wednesday of this week in which the original intention of the press conference was to go out there and talk about the supposed end of the demolition investigation, at least when it comes to public officials in the city of Detroit, and morphed into a discussion about the now- Inspector General investigation that is going to look at this potential relationship between the mayor's office and this Make Your Date program, mm-hmm. uh, this this uh, nonprofit organization, uh, prenatal care organization that has been working and uh, with the city of Detroit on right. a pretty significant problem. And it was really an interesting day to be there. Alan, you and I were at that press conference, uh, yes. and it was quickly how much it turned. The mayor went there to do one thing, mm-hmm. and it quickly turned into something else. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we end up talking about the uh, foundation or the uh, and, and whether or not the mayor has a relationship with the the doctor that uh, right. you know is involved is involved right. with this organization, right? right. And uh, you know, I mean, it's interesting because the you know it's it's always an issue. I mean, my feeling is I don't care who the relationship is, you know, who they're if they're having an extramarital affair or whatever, or if they're not, it's it's not important. But I guess you know some people. Have, have raised the issue of, of whether there's a conflict there. And, you know, we saw that with Gabe Leland when he was dating the tow truck uh, yeah, daughter. Uh, daughter uh, from, uh, and uh, Gasper uh, Fiore. Fiore, I think. And, and, and ML Elric asked him, uh, are you having a relationship? And he says, well, I don't talk about my personal uh, life, which is fine normally. It's normally no one's business. But when you're voting on contracts involving your girlfriend company and her father's company, then it's – you know, then it's unfortunately it becomes public business. Yes, um, always, always. I don't really have anything to add to that. I wasn't at this press conference. I think I was the only member of the staff that was not there that <laughs> day. But um, it's an interesting question, this make your date thing, because I don't think any media outlet has really found a smoking gun yet. I don't think they've even found one that's even a little bit warm at this point. I mean, what do you think? It's it's an interesting story. I mean, if if, yes. if it weren't for the potential of the relationship, obviously the city, you know, raising funds for something that is actually going to be a public health benefit would not be anything that raises anybody's eyebrows. Yes. However, since this person was involved, and Bob Carmack is the person that tied them together with those rolling billboards and, and video screens a few months right. ago. Right. Sure. That does raise the attention. I mean, is the Inspector General's office where this belongs? Is this the type of organization you think that can actually do this fairly? Well, maybe the Inspector General, you know, can put it to rest. I mean, this is not going to be the Mueller report. It's not going to be (laughs) two years in the making, you know, waiting on this thing. I think that maybe this is what needs to happen for this to go away. I mean, people meet – I mean, this is a – like you said, this is an absolutely a worthy cause, Um, you know, pre – Preterm labor is um, um, and babies delivered it's a huge problem. Yeah, it's a big problem, and it, it, it can lead to a lifetime of health problems for the children who and learning disabilities and all sorts of other exactly. things. Exactly, you know, it, it has it's it's truly the you know the rock in the pond. The pebbles go. I mean, the the ripples go everywhere. So it's a good thing that the city is involved with this. Um, when people work together, they sometimes 
form relationships. They play together. They play together. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's and and like you said, Alan. I mean, the the state of the Duggan marriage is absolutely none of our business, and I really don't care about it. Um, and that's why I say I just don't see that this this giant free press investigation. It almost seemed like the whole point of it was just to get her name out there so that we could start talking about her publicly. Right. It was sort of yeah. um, almost a little bit of a backdoor. Yeah, uh, way of getting it in. I mean, my I mean, feeling. It's, my, it's like, did did the mayor use his influence to uh, direct city workers to work on this campaign for this make your date thing? Right. I mean, my feeling mm-hmm. is, had no, that just, money, any of the money, gone to pay for her salary or stuff like that, but it, it doesn't. Yeah, it didn't seem like. I mean, and they kept saying she didn't get a dime from this program or whatever, and it's a program that's badly needed, right, for the city. So, in some ways. You know, I mean, I would go to someone, I'd say, hey, I've got a friend, whether it's a friend or a friend, uh, who, who has expertise in this field and, and I know is going to do a great job and I know is, a, you know, a brilliant, which this woman apparently is a very extremely bright woman and very, you know. Very, very involved in this particular yeah, area of Right, healthcare. and so I have a hard time, even though I understand people raising the issue of potential conflicts of just favoritism or something I, I can't get too worked up about it no it's, me either that's sort just, of my well and nancy you mentioned a, a little bit ago that uh, you know this isn't going to be the Mueller report it's not gonna be two years well one right. investigation was three years three <laughs> years in the making that was the investigation into the demolition program ah, yes uh we had two indictments that came down as a result of that uh mm-hmm. and that didn't shock me I mean, like I said, I have to just full disclosure, I was in the thick of this as, as a media relations director for the Land Bank, one of the organizations that was looked at uh, over the last three years by multiple agencies, whether it be SIGTARP, whether it be the FBI. Uh, they slid in a little note in their press release after they convicted these two people that there were not going to be any public officials, any right. further indictments of public right. officials mm-hmm. that were coming as a result of this. Right. I don't want to necessarily call it a Doug and victory lap that he did the other day. I mean, he did come he out tried. and say— well, he tried. He, yeah. he didn't say, see, I was right. He didn't do it quite as Trumpian as you could. Yeah, right. And he did mention Total that, exoneration. Hey, we made some mistakes in this program, but it, and it was better as a result of these investigations. Right. Sure. But not everybody – I mean, we are such a, such a pre- trust-averse community mm-hmm. that there are still a lot of people that just don't believe – don't right. believe it's possible that somebody wasn't exactly. on the take here yeah. other than those two guys. But, they're uh-huh. called schlubs or two low-level guys. The right. big guys, they're, they're insulated in some capacity. Um, three years, three years of yeah. investigation. And I'll tell you what, and I know this for a fact, there was a lot of documentation turned over. Every single yeah. piece of paper the land bank had went uh-huh. to the FBI. Uh-huh. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this, that uh, it's probably nine months ago I had talked to a source – and asked uh, whether because you know Duggan's name had come up, and and I think that, you know the federal government w- w- was obligated to look at him to see it was what federal would, money. Yeah, what's yeah. what's going on, and who's you know who's involved or who's not involved. Uh, the person told me they you know that Duggan may have skipped some steps along with uh, you know the program, might not have done everything by the letter, but that he, there was no indication ever that he financially benefited. And that the the idea was that he was basically trying to get the program expeditiously executed, and moving, along the way, moving fast and yeah, up to speed as quickly and, and, and as possible. Moving. And so, I, so I, you know, but the investigation continued, and there were subpoenas issued and stuff. So I, you know, I guess you have to, you know, leave it open. But I think it's pretty clear that he's not going to be involved, and it looks like there's not going to be anyone else involved. And I know there was some. 
parsing of the question where the, the government said, you know, the, the the one government official who was charged is a former government official. Yes, and so, again, and full the, disclosure, somebody I know. And the statement said that there will be no more government uh, – Public you know, officials. Public, public officials. officials. Uh, indict, you know, indicted or, or charged in this, and so people were like, "Well, does that mean that maybe may other former?" But I don't think they would have issued the statement because it was a former person who was who was charged, and so um, I think in the end, yeah, there was there there was some smoke. There was certainly reason to look into the program. Sure. Mm-hmm. Not everything was done properly, but the question is, why was it not done properly? Was it done? Because there was such a uh, urgency to get things done as quickly eight as month, possible, an eight-month demand uh, on the funding to spend fifty million dollars. I yeah. mean, that was that was basically right. what, and, what they were up and, against. And right. so, what you have is you have a lot of small little contractors who are, it's going to take a long time to get thirty contractors, as opposed to three big ones who have all the equipment who can do massive. Who are trained demolition right. to go, right and so that I think was some conflict there, and, and well, they may the have tripped up. The interesting thing was that people don't realize is that those small companies <clears throat> were still doing work this whole time. Right. It wasn't everything was exclusive just to these three companies. Right, there was sure. some stuff set aside. Everybody else was working at capacity at the time, which is something people don't get. Okay. So the difference is is that in the old days, a contractor could say, "Yeah, I'll take a contract for two hundred houses," mm-hmm. but they could take a year and a half to do it. Right, um, and and that would just they would just sit on this and do one or a couple of week or whatever right. you know when you've got basically till the end of 2014 to spend 50 million dollars right or lose the, it right or lose it or <laughs> yeah. lose it and that was yeah. i mean that was the thing because without it uh, the city of Detroit would be plodding along it's, with maybe 10 demolitions a month and, and uh, getting nowhere. And it's that's a, where the, a, the dirt question comes in, too, at that point, too, because people forget that when you tear down a, um, a house with a basement, you got a big hole there, and the hole is a safety hazard, and you got to fill it with something. And it can't be uh, what I found in my backyard when I did a little digging, which was you know chunks of concrete from a, an old driveway. Which was anyway. <laughs> never Fun mind. That's <laughs> enough about my trouble. <laughs> so you know, then you end up with like, where do you find dirt? I remember at the time uh, I was working for another publication, and we had a little brown bag with somebody from the city, and they said they're going as far as Port Huron to find dirt to put in these holes. Well, and, and again, there's still some investigation that's looking right. into that dirt, you yes. know, and, and did some contractors use the stuff from '96, even though they weren't supposed to? Right. Those things will be answered and and, and taken a look at, but uh, you know, the contractors are. I have a feeling the ones that are probably facing a lot of the scrutiny at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, after three years and so many breathless stories, were you a little shocked that the notice didn't get maybe a little bit above the full attention Craig, that it should have? We all heard yesterday's podcast. I know. I was not happy. <laughs> I was not happy. I mean, it's just like, look, I had people accusing me of committing crimes. Oh, I know. Yeah. You know, and, and suggesting that I was under investigation, under scrutiny, which was complete and total bullshit, which mm-hmm. I'm allowed to say on this podcast, <laughs> and, and try, trying to flip me into some sort of a source. Right. And, and it's just like, you know. Talk to me, Craig. Talk to me, Craig. <laughs> well, that was it. And it's just, it's not, it's. No, I, I mean, you could you could sense you could sense the disappointment in the air in that room the other day amongst a couple of the people that have been working on this for a long time. It's almost as if there were people that were actually disappointed that they didn't find public corruption. Bad news is good for business when you're a journalist. And, uh, you know, we had a discussion earlier today. Off I'm still mic. waiting on a couple of apologies, by the way. OK, <laughs> off. We, we had a discussion off mic about, um, you know, how much. Uh, street-level journalists are motivated by this kind of thing. But, I mean, everybody wants a juicy story, and that oh, looks like it was a pretty juicy story. Like and it said, turned out program, to be a program, dry, 
Look, hole. the media did a huge, huge or favor to the city of hole. Detroit on this in one way. Okay, despite some people being dragged through the mud, the program's better than yeah. it was before this started. It absolutely is, and that's a result of the dogged reporting that was done by people like Joe Gian, that was done by Jennifer Dixon, that was done by Charlie LaDuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are people that followed this stuff all along. Violet, our own Violet, mm-hmm. uh, reported on Land Bank on a number of occasions. The program got better, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of new, new controls in place, and, and uh, they learned a ton. Okay. Um, so I definitely want to put that out there. I don't want to okay. suggest that all reporters are bad because they're not. They did an important service here. You may have to talk to your therapist about those undelivered apologies. Uh-huh. No, that's, so. they're never coming. So I'm not worried about that. Accepting that the unacceptable, I think, is the Zen way of looking at hey, it. Well, so so while while you know some suggestions said that uh, you know Duggan dodged right dodged an indictment the other day, which I think is the is the way that um, you know the Motor yeah. Metro Times put it. Uh, one person did not dodge prosecution as the former mayor. And that's Kwame Kilpatrick. He is now looking to get out of jail and try. Prison. This is prison. about his, this yes. is about his Latin. Well, prison, of course. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. he's he's in the the hui. He's in the big he's house. He's in the lockup. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he. This might be his last chance. Well, you're if right. he doesn't do this, he's serving twenty eight. You're yeah. right. I, I, I'm leaving this to Alan because he has very strong opinions on it, and he covered federal law enforcement for quite a while. Take it away, Alan. I I think it, I I don't think it'll be his last shot because I think at some point, whether it's ten years or 15 years, uh, somebody's going to give him a pardon at some point and say how how ridiculously long. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, I've covered federal law enforcement for a long time. Um, I covered the Congressman Jefferson trial. The If some people don't remember, the guy with the money in the freezer. Yes. And mm-hmm. he got, it was in Alexandria, Virginia, the same judge who was for, uh, what's his name, uh, the campaign manager. Uh, I'm having a... A blank Senior moment. moment, yeah. Okay. Uh, Trump's <laughs> campaign manager, uh, oh, Manafort. Manafort. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Manafort. It was the same judge there, and that judge gave, interestingly, gave uh, Jefferson a 13-year uh, sentence. Then the next year, or shortly thereafter, Blagojevich got 14 years, and those were pretty much the tops. And that's what we expected there. for Kwame on sentencing day. I still right. remember gasping, gasping I think, when I saw all the charges come down and yeah. the years attached to them. Right. I think 15. Would have been more than enough. And really, in the end, you know, I mean, really, 10 would have been enough, but 15 is certainly more than enough. I mean, what, what's the point after? I mean, it's costing $30,000 a year to the government. Uh, he certainly is not able to pay back anything to the government while he's, you know, making 11 cents an hour. Uh, and it, it's just, I mean, it's funny. His, his motion is, he's, he's, I mean, he wanted to get rid of his attorney. He felt his attorney had a conflict with one of the witnesses in the case. And so the judge said, because it takes for a new attorney, once you're that close to starting the trial, to get a new attorney to catch up with all the documents and everything, it can take months of delay. So she well, I said- I that was the goal at the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Stay out so, of jail as long as possible. And many months. It can t- potentially take many yeah. months. And so she said, well, we'll get uh, another attorney to cross-examine that particular witness. And so he's saying, I should have been able to get a new attorney. And it's funny, now he says it's a conflict of interest because the judge, when he walked in, the judge was, his attorney, James Thomas, was telling the judge, hey, thank you so much for sending that wedding uh, yeah. card. You know, my, my wife and I really appreciate it. It's like, well, you know, if I'm a defendant and I hear my attorney say that to the judge, I'm like, all right, yeah. we got an in here, man. We're going to get, this is good. I want an attorney who has a good relationship with the judge. 
And so you'd think it's it's almost kind of laughable on that point. But 28 years is too much. I think at some point, one way or another, whether it's on the health, whether it's a health issue, whether whether he gets a pardon at some point, uh, we'll see. I mean, who knows? Trump could do it just to, you know, get somebody angry. Maybe I got to win Michigan. Yeah. Oh, here's a way to do it. (laughs) Hey, based on the comments on Deadline Detroit from the story, and there aren't a ton. I mean, but there's a lot of people. The sentiment is still very strong for him to stay in jail for a little while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. People don't like him. There is not a lot of middle ground there, and and it's kind of interesting. I I covered. Go go ahead, real fast. Real fast. I covered prisons when I was at the Detroit News. I was one of my beats. And I can tell you, people don't get it that it's, you know, people are like, who cares? The person's in prison for. 20 years, they don't have TV, they don't get to visit, get visitors, who cares? And I'd always say, the problem is, they're coming out. Right. And we have to deal with them as a society. And when you don't, when you, when you have that attitude, it's a really a, a poor attitude because you're going to become the victim of a crime. And that, in this case, it's just, it doesn't make sense to spend all that money to put a, put away a guy yeah, for 28 I, years. I, I don't disagree. I, mean, I kid, think it's actually 24. Like 45 years old when he gets out of jail, which is which is remarkable. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've got to take a short break. Uh, but Nancy Derringer and Alan Lengel from Deadline Detroit are here. We're going through the week that was at Deadline Detroit, some of the stories that uh, got a lot of attention on our site this week. We will continue. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about stolen, stolen copyrights. Uh, we're going to oh, talk yeah. about a couple of other things sure. as well. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back on The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Welcome back to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. We're reviewing the week that was at Deadline Detroit. Alan Lengel is here, and of course, Nancy Derringer. Um, well, we've been talking about jail and people potentially dealing with jail. One person who also is not getting out of jail is white boy Rick. Uh, Rick Worsha Jr., once again denied parole. Uh, this is this guy's been there for, what, 30 years at this point? Yeah. Um, I think more yeah, now. Than and, yeah. And yeah. I'm, and I'm trying was, to figure out why. He was, remember, he was an informant for the FBI. Right. Uh, he has been apparently on his best behavior the entire time he's been in Didn't there. Didn't he, he get clemency a while back too? Well, yes. he got paroled. Parole, okay, he got parole, paroled. That's right. But he's still behind bars. But he he owed time in. He was in the witness protection program. Yeah, because he helped the FBI. He he put away helped put away a lot of cops, a lot of crooked, you know, a lot of dangerous drug dealers. Nobody who's cooperated at that level that I've ever seen has gotten absolutely zero. In, in return. I mean, right. Sammy the Bull killed 19 people, and he read it on, on Gotti, and he served five years. Right. I mean, there is, you know, but Bull. he is, I, I mean, it's just so absurd at this point. And the problem is, I, and I blame Kim Worthy, Kim Worthy kept portraying him as Pablo Escobar. And, <sighs> and people were saying he was dumping all this dope and ruining the city. Well, he was, he was a, a, a teenage drug dealer on the rise. He was dealing in kilos already. He had connections, you know, down in Florida already. I mean, he was, he was 
you know, he was he was rising. Rick is a very smart guy, and I I've known him for a long, long time. He's a very bright guy, and it just is insane that you know when that case came down in in Florida that he was behind bars and he was helping. He got involved in a stolen drug car ring, car, yeah. right. car ring, and. He While got in jail. Yeah. <laughs> this was this was 2005. It's 2019 now, and he's done some time already there. And there was no reason whatsoever, except I think the new governor it was on the uh, parole board there, and he expressed skepticism, saying, "Oh, well, you were serving time. He was already serving more 15, 20 years more time than he should have in in the state of Michigan." And so that should be a consideration there. And the fact he had two former FBI agents down at the parole hearing down there, the clemency hearing, and they both were were trying to convey how helpful he had been to federal law enforcement. And, and it's just – it's mind-boggling. Yeah. It's mind-boggling. It's, well, it's, it's ignorance. It's well, just total ignorance. It, it, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, you, you'd think that maybe there would be some concurrent time that this judge in Florida would actually consider – on something along these lines, but Florida likes their pound of flesh, apparently. Oh, so sure. they're getting Florida. Right they don't want to be soft on getting? anything. Down I mean, there. Rick, here's here's the two things. Florida's paying for his incarceration, which is probably again twenty twenty five thousand dollars down there, a little cheaper than the federal government. And and the the fact is, Rick's not going to stay in Florida. I mean, he's going to get out, and he is not staying in Florida. So what what is it that Florida gets out of that? I mean, he's done some time already. Well, I agree. Well, all right. Let's go to a different type of uh, different type of crime, and this is for intellectual property <laughs> theft that we can talk about here. Nancy, you had a story this week um, that got a lot of attention uh, about a guy named Bobby Alcott. He's, mm-hmm. he's a photographer, a commercial photographer, and, and yes. a good and a good one, as yes. as you point out. He took a pretty iconic photo of the city of Detroit, and I'd seen it before, and I'd never realized that you know. I found somebody who does not know how to properly silence his I phone. Did. I was silencing it. There you go. The problem was anyway. I hit Siri, and Old Siri people. heard City of Detroit. <laughs> started giving us uh, Anyway, you had seen this picture before. <laughs> you had seen this I'd photo see, before. Well, yes. And you know where I'd seen it was uh, when, when I was working at the city, they came out with a brand new design for the Detroit cars. For the police cars. cars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so... Let me That's tell you the picture. story of this picture. All right. So in 2006, he – and I, I know Bobby personally. Um, I guess the full disclosure is he took my kids' uh, graduation pictures. <laughs> but he's he's very much into kind of like, you know, finding the spot and then waiting for his moment. And sometime in 2006, he went over to Windsor, sat up in that, sat up in that park there, and got this great sunset picture of the city, of the skyline. With the Rensen right in the foreground. And it's yeah, all – It's the, the blue, the blue hour. Yeah, it's, it's the, the blue hour. You know, photoshopped it a little and he put it on a photo sharing site which at the time was fairly new called Flickr and I think this was probably before most people were on social media before I mean but certainly you know it was it was the kind of thing it was a site that a lot of photographers used to kind of show their work to other photographers he copy he put it he put a copyright on it it was stolen almost immediately and it has been used um, it's gone all around the world. You can buy, you could Google Detroit skyline picture right now and find it on, you know, some wallpaper site somewhere and download wallpaper for whatever he's, um, th- what's interesting to me though, is in the, he sells his work, you know, and he has, uh, he estimated that he's made maybe 10 to $15,000 le- through legal uses of that particular photograph and 10 times that much 
recovering from people who have used it illegally, including the city of Detroit, yeah. <laughs> which tried like, to. That is uh, a beautiful yeah, design which, for that cop car. Exactly. Which, Too bad you stole it. Which briefly put it <laughs> which on. Which is somewhat ironic, by the <laughs> yeah, way. I know, exactly. <laughs> which briefly put it on the side of the cop cars, uh, at least the design for the side of the cop cars, until he spoke up and said, uh, hello, you don't have permission for that. And they actually commissioned a Canadian photographer to take another one from the same spot that's very similar. But well, anyway. what I loved about this, though, is that it got brought back to your mind because you were driving down the freeway and <laughs> there's is, a dude with a pickup truck that has this on the back thing. Just, on the tailgate. Just as a design for exactly, the tailgate. Exactly. Like, gonna, so somebody clearly made like a, a, a yeah. decal of this that you right. could put on there. I don't know what the technique is. It's probably like when you get a boat. You know, it's probably some kind of transfer technique. But yeah, I mean, that sort of thing has been happening for years. He has a part-time research assistant who searches for this uh, weekly. He has a lawyer that handles this for him. Um, he said that, uh, I said, this is basically, I want you to look on the bright side, Bobby. It's like an annuity. You know, put this in, this is your vacation money. It's like every year it br- probably brings in enough for you and your family to take a nice trip to Europe and just do it that way. But he really, I mean, he feels very strongly that intellectual property is property just like any other and and people should keep their mitts off of it well so. we shall see what happens if he he's continuing to make a little bit of money he off does of he makes a little bit of money but you know, you know he, he, says, he gave away in the story what you need to do to get that picture <laughs> Bell, you know, Belle Isle's a good spot for that shot and also across the border yeah, Windsor. if you want to take your own version of it absolutely there you go, go. Out. uh all right another story that that uh alan i was sort of listening to you work on this the other uh, day that i thought was interesting was this steven singer i've seen the billboards driving down the freeway I hate Steven Singer. Dot com. Uh, well, then it's oh, just, yeah. I'm like, who, right. who the heck is Steven Singer? And, yeah. and why is this? I had no idea what it was, but we found out a little bit more about this. Um, apparently, it's just a, a clever marketing ploy. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I was Saturday, and I was headed to Windsor. And, Doing a little uh, smoke-free gambling? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, so it ends up, uh, we, see, we see a billboard, uh, and I say, who the heck? is Steven Singer. So I looked it up and I saw that it was a jewelry store. So it got me to, so I called up on Monday and I did speak to the folks over there and they said they had 10 billboards here. They, they were, they were running, uh, running a radio ad here locally mm-hmm. and they were getting a good reaction from that. So they decided they wanted to expand their market. And so they put up 10 billboards in the Detroit metro area and they they're rotating them around the different places, and they seem to be getting a good reaction. It's a clever, uh, you know, I think it's a clever little. There are two ploy. kinds of people in the world, Alan Lingle. There are yeah. people who find teaser billboard cam- ad campaigns amusing and un- inoffensive, and there are those that it just bugs. And I'm the other. You're, you're, <laughs> you you know are bugged by that. I really do. Hate so Steven you hate Singer. Stephen Singer? Let's no, let's put a hate. I've never gone there. Why Stephen Singer sucks? Maybe that should be our new campaign. No, so I used to I used to uh, live in a city where there was an ad uh, an ad agency that was very fond of them, and there was always a new one going up. And it was just it was the kind of witless thing that people would bring up in elevators. You know, as you're riding up in silence, instead of the weather, they would say something like, "Hey, did you see that billboard?" You know, it's just like, "Oh my god!" You know, it's just going to end up being for some grocery store or some other stupid thing. Right. It's just advertising. Right. So that's me. Uh, well. Speaking of things that people identify 
you know, locations and places with, you know, I hate Steven Singer, very clever, the mar- clever marketing campaign. Well, of course, Sterling Heights has their oh, own yeah. clever marketing campaign, the Golden Butthole, yeah. a.k.a. the Halo. <laughs> the Halo. Yeah. you want to call it. We had a little, we posted somebody else's work this week, Alan, and apparently right. we ran into a little bit of trouble. Well, <laughs> over, uh, yes, they were. Uh, over, over a mock video that right. was made about, about this wonderful attraction in Sterling Heights. Right. So these three <laughs> guys from a Birmingham Advertising Agency have had some fun. I believe this is their fourth video. Yeah. Mocking the golden butthole on Hall Road there. <laughs> and the latest was one saying that, pretending that the Chamber of Commerce in Troy had done it, which they have not. Yes. <laughs> and, and we got a phone call this morning from the Chamber of Commerce <laughs> saying, take that down. And I told them that we couldn't take it down, but that we would, you know, make it even clearer. This that, is not an official yeah, video from not the theirs, Chamber but of it's Commerce. It's satirical, so if anyone thinks it's from the Chamber of Commerce, please think again. <laughs> it's not. And it was just a joke. And I hope, uh, I know, you know, wherever in Troy, not known for their great sense of humor, <laughs> they can uh, laugh it up a little bit. You know, but you think, you know, look, this is the home of L. Brooks Patterson. If there's somebody that would take a swipe like that, it is L. Brooks Patterson. Yes. Right. So, I mean, you know, Troy would just be holding up Oakland County's end of the bargain on that right. one. Yeah. They'd love to take and, and their, their neighboring counties. And, and the call was that, hey, we're, we have such a good relationship with Sterling Heights, we don't want to ruin it. Like, there could be a war. <laughs> <laughs> You suddenly see tanks, Troy tanks, like <laughs> rolling right. into Sterling well, every, Heights. Every police department does now have a tank, I think. Yeah. We're going to call it the I-696 I war. You right, know, tear right. up that new pavement. It could oh, happen. Man, and maybe yeah. we should be creating a war. And, and the next well, headline will be... the M-59 be, battle, though? Battle of M-59? Yeah, M- battle of M-59. We'll have yes. a little, like, Sterling Heights colon. Why does Troy hate us so much? <laughs> <laughs> Even our butthole is golden. <laughs> So what would you you call this? Like Operation Desert Storm would be like Operation Preparation H, something like that. So something along those lines I think might work. All right, last last thing to to get to here today. Um, Pistons made the playoffs, barely by the skin of their teeth, by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin. They made the playoffs, and they get the... Wonderful task of taking on the Milwaukee Bucks right. and the Greek Freak. Right. Uh, are they just cannon fodder at this point? I'm going with cannon fodder. Yeah, I, I'd be shocked. You know, like I was saying, if it was March Madness and it was one game, you never know. The adrenaline's yeah. pumping. It could happen, but in a four four game series, is it four? It's still four games for the first one. Or uh, th- I believe or three? it's three. The best okay. of three. Best of, just, five. Well, it's best of five. It's best of five, five. Right. There, there's just no way. Uh, that's going to happen. I mean, they're, they're, it's not in the NBA. The top teams beat the lowly teams. It's it's although I've seen it where the the lowly teams have given the top teams a, a hard time. And in fact, the last time the Pistons were in, they played Cleveland. They lost all four, but they put up a good fight. They actually looked decent. Mm-hmm. And, and it looked promising. And then the next year, they didn't make the playoffs. So, which is better than the other three professional sports teams? Uh, well, in exactly. The city you, done, know, so, my, you know, my friend Bill Shea over respect. My friend Bill Shea Cranes pointed out that that's likely we're going to finish this decade with not a single Michigan-based team winning a championship uh, at, at either the major college sports level or you know the professional sports level, which would be a first ever hmm. in in a decade in in this region's history, which is kind of interesting. I'm amazed that somebody keeps uh, that uh, that kind of data the, on their laptop somewhere. Uh, the Tigers what? are in second place, a half a game out of first. They're eight and five, which is not a bad record. But if you look at their batting averages, you know. 
I, I think we got some work to do. Castellano, <laughs> I think the last time I looked, had the best batting average at two eighty five, and then Miguel Miguel Cabrera was at about two sixty four. Well, you know, that's the two again, top guys. Cold so weather, you're not going anywhere. Cold but. weather is is always bad for for hitters. Right. Uh, the pitching has been great so far for the Tigers. I don't think they're going to keep this pace up. I'm happy to see them winning. It's better than them, you know, being like two and eight at this point. Right. Uh, Zimmerman just, pitched amazing the opening game, but he got blown out. Uh, the other day, so like I said, he's still just, a question mark. Just never know. Like I said, when things he's warm up, the bats mark. will warm up, and they will. But right. you know, again, I think the Tigers are still going to finish, uh, you know, with a losing record yeah, this year. But I'd rather have them be competitive than than not. So, right. uh, you know what? Next week, I, I wanted to get to Dan Gilbert adding to his uh, real estate empire. Maybe sure. we can talk about that next week. Sure, you guys will be Sounds back next good. week. Of course, Nancy Derringer, Always. Alan Langle from Deadline right. Detroit. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And that is the week that was. We'll do this again next week. And don't forget, Monday, the Monday Follies coming up. I'm still looking for some victims for that. We'll find them. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Hey there, my name is Seth Ressler. Hi everyone, it's Becky Scarcello. I am new to the Detroit area. And I've been here my whole life. So we started a podcast together. It's called The D Brief. Detroit's arts and entertainment podcast. We cover concerts, comedy, plays, food, drink, all kinds of stuff. All the cool events around town, things to do, and the people that are doing them. Can we talk about some of the people we've had as guests on this podcast? Hey, this is Mark Kurlianchik, the restaurant critic for the Detroit Free Press. Hi, I'm Ian DeLisi, and I host Essential Music on 1019 WDET. Hi, this is Mark Ridley of Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Hey, this is Kate Williams, executive chef of Lady of the House. Hey, this is Meltdown from WRAF in Detroit. This is Josh Mallerman, author of Bird Box. This is Carmen Hurst. Curator of film at the Detroit Institute of Arts. President and founder of Valentine Distilling Company. The general manager of innovation experiences for the Henry Ford. Arts and entertainment editor at the Detroit Free Press. Michigan Science Center. Arts Beats and Detroit. If you like going out in the city of Detroit, you're going to like this podcast. The Debrief Podcast. We like to say Detroit's moving. Keep up. The Debrief. Your guide to Detroit's arts and entertainment scene.